Radio Looks Lucid is on the air. Thanks for listening to this is episode number 18. I'm your host, Steve Matthews. It's great to be here with you today, and thanks for listening in today. I really appreciate that. Well, I know it's been a little while since I've had a podcast for you. It's been, <laughs> I'm most embarrassed to say this, it's been about six months. And I, I guess maybe I could tell you the dog ate my homework or something like that. But uh, no, I, actually, I, that, that's kind of a lame excuse, and, and I realize that. And um well, I, I, I do have excuses. Maybe they're not quite that lame, but, um, yeah, I've been busy. I've been doing, uh, doing some blogging here, uh, doing my regular, uh, Luke's Lucid, uh, a blog entry at least once a week and I've been doing some new things too I've been doing a um, some YouTube uh, videos so I'm now uh, kind of a small time YouTuber and uh, on top of that I've also had the uh, the opportunity to begin uh, actually doing some podcasts for the Trinity Foundation we uh, started Trinity Foundation Radio and we've had an oppor- opportunity to, to get out a uh, a couple of podcasts here and, and uh, Lord willing there'll be more to come so so that's going so anyway, my my own podcast, Radio Looks Lucid, has kind of uh, fallen a little bit by the wayside here. But I think that, uh, Lord willing, I think we're going to have uh, have some more podcasts here coming up in the future. And um, this is actually the very first podcast. This is kind of a special episode. This is my actually my 18th podcast, but it's the first podcast that I'm doing officially for Thorn Crown Ministries. Uh, Thorn Crown Ministries is the new website um, with uh, featuring Tim Shaughnessy, Carlos Montillo, and Ryan Denton. And uh, Tim was kind enough to ask me to be a contributor on this website, so I'm really excited to uh, be able to uh, to join with those gentlemen and um, do some podcasting along with the uh, the fine work that they do. So I'd encourage you to go check that out. That's thorncrownministries.com, thorncrownministries.com. So if you haven't seen that, uh, stop by and, uh, and check out the work. There's some, uh, some uh, good things on there, and uh, I think there's going to be a lot more good things to follow. So I'm excited to be a part of, a part of that ministry. Um, so anyway, this being the, the first podcast that in, in my series that I've done uh, specifically for Thorn Crown, I thought it might be a good idea. Um, to take some time and, and talk about the the purpose of this podcast and sort of the the direction of this podcast and, and maybe even before we even get into that part of it maybe just introduce myself a little bit to you as well since like I know as I said it, it's been a little while since I've I've actually had a podcast out here for you again my name's Steve Matthews and I am doctrinally speaking since this is a Christian podcast is worth knowing I am Presbyterian so um, I'm, I am reformed in my theology more specific than that I'm actually a scripturalist and that is uh, someone who follows the uh, the philosophy and the theology of uh, of Gordon Clark and uh, and of John Robbins. Uh, you can read more about their work over there at the Trinity Foundation, and also there are some uh, posts that are beginning to go up on the, on the Thorn Crown Ministries as well that are uh, specifically scripturalist. And and I, I think that, uh, that this podcast uh, will uh, will fit in pretty nicely with some of the work that uh, Tim and and Carlos and Ryan are doing. Um, so I'm a Presbyterian and I'm a scripturalist. I live here in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm a a native of the Buckeye State. Now, I, I did not attend Ohio State. I, I'm, I'm not a Buckeye fan. People think because I'm from Ohio that I always root for Ohio State. I actually went to the University of Cincinnati. Um, so I, I guess really I'm, I'm more of a Bearcat than I am a Buckeye. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm a native of the state of Ohio, so I guess I can claim I'm a Buckeye, at least in that sense of the word. I also uh, went to... Um, 
Miami University. I got an MBA from uh, Miami University here in Ohio. So um, I've got a, a second alma mater there uh, in, in graduate school. In terms of my um, my day job, I, I do have a day job. I actually do do have a day job. I get up and go to work every morning. Uh, I work in the retirement plan business, uh, servicing uh, 401k plans of all things. So if you got a 401k plan, I don't know, maybe I've, maybe I've worked on your retirement plan. Who knows? Um, and, uh, also one other thing I, I had mentioned the Trinity Foundation before. I do sit on the, uh, the board of the Trinity Foundation. Uh, that's a great honor to be able to, uh, to serve with those gentlemen. It's, uh, something that I, I really enjoy doing and I'm privileged to be a part of that. So um, that, that's a little bit about me to, to get started. And in terms of this podcast, so why this podcast? You know, why why am I doing this podcast? Well, the, the name of the podcast, maybe I'll talk about that, Radio Luke Slicit. Um, that's actually taken from my blog. Um, I've been blogging. It's hard for me to believe this now, but I started the blog Looks Lucid. Um, that was started uh, nine years ago. I did my first post. Uh, I think it was either March or April of of 2009. It's kind of hard to believe that I've been at it for for nine years now. It uh, the time flies pretty fast. The the name Looks Lucid that actually means the light shines. It's it's uh, it's Latin. The light shines. It's it's taken from. And if you look at at my blog site, you see there's a, an emblem that I use as a, sort of a header on the blog. It's uh, Looks Lucid and Tenebris, and it, it's it's uh, got the Latin words, and it, and it goes and, and it surrounds a a, a candle, a, a lampstand um, that is itself surrounded by seven stars. And and you may recognize that if you've looked at um, some older um, uh, Reformation, um, I don't know, books or uh, things of this sort. Uh, the 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 symbol itself it actually uh, comes from the Waldenses. Um, which was a group that uh, essentially they were they were Protestants before they were Protestants. Um, they they were a group that uh, that broke away from Rome and they they taught the doctrines of grace and and they they uh, they maintained purity of doctrine throughout uh, the Middle Ages at a time when uh, when the Church of Rome was very corrupt and the uh, they used that uh, they used that logo that Lux Lucid logo and a lot of the early reformers picked up that logo as well so. Um, it, it's kind of a, it's a very historic, uh, uh, Christian logo. I've always liked the design. Uh, I like the message. Luke's, Luke's, Luke's lucid and tenebrous. That's the light shines in the darkness. Um, which uh, it comes from the gospel of John. Um, so I've always liked the design. I've liked the message of it as, as well. And I, I think really as Christians, I mean, that really is our job, right? To be, to be the lights that shine in the darkness. And, you know, you, you've probably looked around yourself and you notice there's an awful lot of darkness out there, isn't there? Um, and sometimes it seems like it's getting darker all the time. Um, and, and I don't say that to be a pessimist. I, I'm, I'm not a pessimist. I'm, I guess you call, my, call me a, as a Christian, I'm a long-term optimist. But uh, there's very clearly um, some very dark things that are going on in, in the world today. And uh, that that's really one of the things, maybe that leads me into the idea of, of why this podcast. Um, I've always had a keen interest in, in politics. Um, I remember liking politics from the time when I was a kid, which I, I know that sounds pretty nerdy. <laughs> and I guess maybe I'm a bit of a geek. I'll have to cop to that. <laughs> But uh, at any rate, um, yeah, I remember, and this is something that goes back, and I'm going to date myself, but this goes back to when I was in 
uh, in sixth grade. Uh, and I remember in sixth grade, and this was in 1978. So yeah, I'm an old guy. I'm 52. Um, but th- this goes all the way back to, to when I was in sixth grade. And I remember in sixth grade, we had to, we were studying current events and we had to get this subscription to a magazine called U.S. News and World Report. And I remember getting this thing and reading it and I was just fascinated by it. Um, and, and even after we stopped studying, um, politics in, in class and we no longer had to have that subscription of that magazine, I still kept getting the magazine because well, I was just pretty interested in it. And I think the thing that really, um, kind of picked my interest about that is because I wanted to know what the truth was. And, and, and U.S. News and World Report, um, I think it was kind of known for being pretty much straight down the middle, maybe uh, maybe even a little bit on the conservative side. Uh, I don't even know if the U.S. News and World Report is still in print anymore. Uh, it seems like there are fewer and fewer magazines that are put out now with, uh, with the Internet. But the thing that, that really interested me is I would read through um, some of these debates between people who were, you might, call uh, you know, liberals and, and people you'd call conservatives. And this was in 1978, so it was a little bit over 10 years after the start of the Great Society. You remember the Great Society, all these anti-poverty programs that Lyndon Johnson uh, signed into law in the in the mid-60s. Um, and so these programs have been around for a while, and, and, and they've been around at least you know, 10, 12, 15 years, something like that. And um, People were, they've been around long enough that people were kind of able to look at them and, and really start asking some questions. Well, you know, have these programs actually been effective? You know, we've spent millions or billions of dollars on all these anti-poverty programs and, and has it any, is it really done any good? You know, they had that war on poverty in the 1960s, right? Well, have, have we won the war on poverty? And interestingly enough, you know, people would look at this and they'd say, well, well, apparently not. Um, and the liberals and the conservatives would both say the same thing. Well, they'd say, well, look, I mean, we've got just as much poverty now as we did, did uh, 10 years ago. And maybe in some cases, we actually have more. You know, we spent billions of dollars and not only do we not have anything to show for it, we actually have, uh, have negative returns. You know, things are worse than what they had been. And, and you would hear the, the people on the different sides, whether they're liberal or conservative, they would take a, they would have a very different take on that. They have a very different, I don't know if spin is the right word, maybe interpretation. They would interpret the facts, um, differently. Uh, if, if you would talk to somebody who is a conservative, they would look at, you know, the failure of, I don't know, a program like say housing and urban development or something like this and and you know all of these these uh, housing and urban development all these HUD programs had, had turned into these these horrible slums in a lot of cases and, and the conservatives would look at that and say well see this is what happens when when you have big government this is what happens when you have welfare you know that that what you do is when you have welfare programs it encourages more people to go in the dole and you get more social pathologies and you get get uh, uh, breakup of the family and uh, dependence on uh, on government, on welfare, these types of things. And then the liberals would come along and say, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, yes, we, we know that these programs aren't doing well. We know these programs have failed. But the problem isn't with the programs themselves. The problem, they would say, these liberals, the problem, they'd say, is that, well, there just hasn't been enough money spent. And if you guys, if you you hard-hearted conservatives would just give us more money so we could expand these programs and, and, and do the job the right way, well, we could, we, we could, could clear up poverty in no time. And and I would read read these arguments between the liberals and the conservatives in U.S. News and World Report, and and it was fascinating to me because I kept asking myself, well, how do we know who's right? How do we know who's right? 
You know, you know, the, the liberals, well, you know, they can make some pretty good arguments sometimes. And, but then when I hear the conservatives talk, you know, well, yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense too. And, and, and how do I know what's right? Well, um, I, I wasn't sure for a long time. You know, I, I've always been, I, I guess I, I've always, I wanted to believe the, uh, the, the small government people, the conservatives were right, but I, I, I wasn't sure. I, I didn't, didn't have conviction. And I, I always kept wondering if maybe I'm, I'm misunderstanding something. Well, anyway, to, to kind of make a, a long story a bit short, after uh, a number of years of study and, and, uh, going through, uh, a lot of changes in my own thinking, um, by God's grace, um, you know, I became a Christian, and and I came to really understand that that the Bible, um, the Bible teaches limited government. Um, John Robbins called uh, called the uh, the complex of politics and economics that's taught in the Bible. He called it constitutional capitalism. Uh, John Robbins is was the founder of the Trinity Foundation, and he wrote this wonderful book. Uh, if you ever get a chance to check it out, it's called Ecclesiastical Megalomania. It's about the uh, the politics and the economics of of, um, of the Roman Catholic Church, and I know you probably hear that title and you say ecclesiastical megalomania. Well, I wouldn't want to read a book like that. Um, it's it, let me tell you, um, you know, don't judge a book necessarily by its name. <laughs> they say don't judge a book by its cover. Well, uh, don't judge a book necessarily by its name either. Um, this is a, a brilliantly written book. I've never seen anything quite like it, um, and and I love John Robbins' work, and I think maybe. Maybe if, if I had to pick a single thing that John Robbins did in, 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 uh, a single thing that he wrote, if I could only have one thing and take that with me, I think I might take Ecclesiastical Megalomania because it has so much of his teaching about, uh, politics and economics. And, and it was really when I started reading, especially John Robbins and listening to some of his lectures that, that I was really convicted of just how, um, how strongly the Bible teaches. The ideas of limited government, of uh, private property, of uh, laissez-faire economics, uh, uh, all of these things that, you know, we would associate maybe with, uh, say, traditional, you know, American values from the time the, the country was founded, this sort of thing. Um, those are the things that the Bible teaches. Uh, the, the Bible does not teach big government. The Bible does not teach socialism. Um, the Bible does not teach... Uh, 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 militarism, these sorts of things. And, and, and you look at the, the politics, especially as it's been practiced, um, the, the theory and the practice of politics over the past hundred years, and it's appalling. You look at the wars and the, uh, some of the horrible dictatorships that have gone on and, and still go on and some of the terrible things that go on and, and some of the, 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 the things, the, uh, the threats of war that we live under. And, and you realize that, um, you know, the world has gotten itself into a real mess, and it's gotten itself into a mess because it's ignored the teachings of Scripture. Uh, it might sound strange to talk about the Bible and talk about politics and economics in the same breath, but one of the things, and, and this really, again, goes back to something that, that God taught me through John Robbins' ministry, and that is that the Bible is authoritative in every area. That's really the heart of the idea of scripturalism. Um, you're, you see some of Tim Shaughnessy's work. He talks about scripturalism. I talk about scripturalism. I call this a scripturalist podcast. Um, and, and when we, we, we talk about scripturalism, what that is, is it's really the idea that the Bible is authoritative in all areas of life. Uh, I think sometimes as Christians, we make this error. And, and I know that at times I've been guilty of this as well, um, of, of this idea that, okay, the Bible is good for, 
oh, I don't know, for Sunday morning, you know, between the hours of, of 11 and 12, you know, you know you, it, it's good for Sunday morning and, and you can go in and you can read about, uh, you know, God and Jesus and, and how to get saved and, and all of these things. And, and, and of course the Bible is about those things. I'm not going to say that it's not quite obviously. Um, uh, it is about how to be saved. It's about how to go to heaven. It's, um, about quite a number of things. Um, but it's also about politics. And it's also about economics. And that probably surprises a lot of people. Because generally, you know, we have this idea that, you know, I said that the Bible is good for this sort of very limited, narrow um, time frame on Sunday mornings. But the rest of the week, you know, if, if you really want to ask, ask yourself a question, well, what kind of foreign policy should we have? Or, um, you know, what, uh, what, uh, uh, what kind of monetary policy is best or you know is it is it a good idea to have a department of homeland security or or do we really need a department of education or do we really need a department of housing and urban development um or or, or these types of things well we say well to answer those questions you you don't look to the bible you have to go to the political experts you know you got to go out and read all of these you know listen to radio talk shows or uh read uh, um you know political websites or um, you know, things of this sort, or maybe study books by, you know, the, the so-called great, great thinkers, these types of things. And, and I'm not going to say necessarily that those, you know, doing those things is wrong. Um, but if, if we miss the, if we miss the fact that the Bible is fundamental to politics, uh, to correct politics, that, that understanding scripture is fundamental to correct sound economics, um, you know, we, we've really missed the source of truth. You know, the Bible has a monopoly on truth. That's another idea or another thing that sometimes you hear John Robbins say, the Bible has a monopoly on truth. Uh, I want to read to you a little bit about the definition of what scripturalism is, because as I said, this is going to be a scripturalist podcast. And my intention is to bring the, the philosophy of scripturalism to, uh, to an analysis of, of politics and economics. Um, and, and some of that's going to be current events and, and possibly we're also to talk, uh, at, at times more about current events. I'll try to uh, apply those ideas to current events. And sometimes maybe we'll talk about, um, just some of the, uh, the theory, some of the, the ideas behind scripturalism. Uh, I, I can, uh, Lord willing, hopefully we'll have a, a chance to do that as well. But I wanted to give you just kind of a, a, a brief definition of scripturalism. This is, is uh, something I'm going to quote here from John Robbins. This is actually from a, a Trinity Foundation or a Trinity Review that, that he wrote, uh, I believe, back in 1993. And uh, this is, uh, I'll just read this paragraph to you. Uh, John Robbins writes this. He says, therefore, I would like to begin my talk this evening by naming his philosophy. He's talking about Gordon Clark. He wants to name Gordon Clark's philosophy. He says, I shall give it a name that discloses what it stands for, scripturalism. Um, that name uh, avoids uh, all the defects of the other names, and it gives what makes Clark's philosophy unique an uncompromising devotion to Scripture alone. Clark did not try to combine secular and Christian notions, but to derive all his ideas from the Bible alone. So let me read that, that, that last sentence again. Clark is talking here about Gordon Clark. Gordon Clark did not try to combine secular and Christian notions, but to derive all his ideas from the Bible alone. And that's really going to be the objective of this podcast. My, my goal is to derive my ideas about... Uh, about politics and economics as we discuss those, not 
uh, from some combination of secular sources and, and scripture, uh, but from the scriptures alone. You know, that has to be the foundation, and and that's going to be my my goal in in presenting this podcast to you. That's been my goal um, in the the previous episodes, but I wanted to take a little bit of time here today and uh, kind of spell that out in in very explicit terms for you. And I, I think you're you're finding this really interesting because uh, one of the things that that I find really exciting about the idea of scripturalism is the explanatory power that it gives. Yeah, you know, the the ability to actually. Um, help us to understand the world around us in a, in a way that, um, that that nothing else does. Uh, you know, think of some of the issues that are facing us today. Um, I mean, just today, I mean, here, this is uh, April 14th. Uh, we just got news that uh, the United States, Great Britain, and France um, conducted airstrikes on Syria. And, and of course, that raises a number of questions. I'm not going to try to answer all those questions right this moment, but I mean, we, it raises a question of foreign policy. You know, what kind of a foreign policy should we have? I mean, should we have a foreign policy of preemptive war? Um, that's the idea that uh, you, you, you go in and you attack a country because at some point you think that country is going to do something wrong uh, somewhere down the line. You know, do we, do we uh, adopt the idea of preemptive war? That's an idea that's very common today. Um, it's uh, pushed very heavily by a group of people in particular called the neoconservatives. Uh, they believe in this idea of preemptive war. On the other hand, um, maybe that's not the right idea. Maybe that's not true. Maybe preemptive war isn't the way to go. But how do we know? How do we settle that question? Well, I think we have to look to scriptures for that. Um, you know, here, here's another political issue, uh, something that's, that's quite different, but I saw this was actually in the paper today. Here's a headline that I found. This was on NBC News. Um, it dates from April 12th, 2018. Now, here's the headline. It says, Mike Pompeo still opposes gay marriage. Now he's about to be Secretary of State. Uh, and it goes on, the article uh, goes on to read, Pompeo uh, reiterated his opposition to same-sex marriage on Thursday during his confirmation hearing before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Uh, so this article in CNBC, it, it goes on to, it has a very negative slant against Mike Pompeo. Now, I'm not here to defend um, everything Mike Pompeo says or believes, but in this one particular area, Mike Pompeo is actually quite good. And he was grilled by a senator, the Senator Cory Booker. He was a Democrat from New Jersey. And he uh, he took on Mike Pompeo and, and really uh, kind of uh, kind of lambasted him uh, for his stance, for for believing that um, that uh, the gay marriage was wrong. And the article goes on to quote. Uh, a number of people uh, speaking out against Mike Pompeo. I'll read this to you here. It says, Civil rights groups swiftly condemned Pompeo's comments and called into question his suitability to serve as Secretary of State. Quote, Mike Pompeo reaffirmed opposition to marriage equality and LGBTQ rights, further proves that he is dangerously wrong to serve as our nation's chief diplomat. End quote. Uh, thus said Sarah Kate Ellis, the uh, president and CEO of the LGBT, LGBTQ rights group GLAD. So, you know, right there, and there's there's somebody uh, uh, from uh, from GLAD, of course, that does not like Mike Pompeo. The American Civil Liberties Union chimed in as well. They they tweeted out um, the following quote: Mike Pompeo may believe that same-sex marriage is inappropriate and that gay sex is a perversion. But thankfully, the Supreme Court doesn't agree. 
end quote. So, uh, thus, uh, thus speaks the, uh, the ACLU. So, I mean, what does the Bible have to say about gay marriage? Well, I, I don't think that's too difficult to figure out. Obviously, it condemns it. Uh, you know, and Mike Pompeo, by by um, speaking out against gay marriage, is doing what, what the government officials should do. I mean, you think about what Paul wrote in Romans 13, right? And he talked about the, uh, um, the, the civil magistrate being, God, being God's minister, you know, and his job is to punish evil and, and to reward the good. You know, and, and rewarding the good, you know, means to to uh, to pass laws, to uphold um, laws that uh, they're in uh, in accord with uh, with God's word. You know, and and uh, gay marriage is certainly not in accord with God's word, and opposing it is in accord with God's word. You know, and and it's right for Mike Pompeo to uh, to be against gay marriage but the world at large doesn't think so i mean this is on nbc news and nbc very obviously has a slant against mike pompeo and for gay marriage um, but that's just another example of an issue i mean that that's a social issue you know we had a, a foreign policy issue you know there's an example of a social issue um there are other types of issues there are economic issues for instance like monetary policy i mean you're you read about the federal reserve you know the federal reserve goes out and they raise interest rates the federal reserve goes out and lowers interest rates or um, maybe you read things about Bitcoin, for instance, or or people will talk about gold and silver. Okay, so you know what what does the Bible have to say about money? Well that's a pretty interesting question. And the Bible actually has quite a bit to say about money. So again, these are some of the topics, these are some of the things that that Lord willing I, I want to be able to bring to this podcast. And I want to bring uh, and I want to talk about them from a, a scripturalist point of view. That is, I want to derive the ideas, my commentary on these ideas, not from secular sources, but from scripture. Now, one thing to keep in mind about that when I say that, and when I say we, you know, not using, not combining secular ideas and, and Christian ideas, I don't mean that I'm not going to ever use secular sources. Because, I mean, you can find secular sources that actually do um, have sound ideas in them. Uh, that, that do, you know, the, the, the authors, the speakers maybe don't explicitly acknowledge scripture, but what they say comports with scripture. And it's certainly okay to use what they have to say. It's okay to use what people say who, who oppose what scripture says, because you can use that as a negative example. So I, I don't mean to say that I'm only going to quote the Bible when I talk about uh, economics and politics. I've just quoted some things here from you that, that I think are, are very much worth uh, worth talking about, but we have to be um, be like what uh, what Martin Luther talked about. Uh, Martin Luther talked about had this idea called the Schrift Prinzip, uh, the Writing Principle. And again, this is something John Robbins talked about in, in some of his uh, lectures and some of his uh, some of his writings. And it's that idea that you have to bring all of the words and all of the books and all of the thoughts of all men back and judge them against you know, and judge them by the Scriptures. So the scriptures are the standard. You know, my words have to be judged by scripture. Uh, our words, anyone who talks, you know, whether it's your, your minister on a Sunday morning, whether it's a Sunday school teacher, whether it's a Christian author, whether it's a senator or a judge uh, or a president, all words of all men have to be judged by scripture. And, and, and I think that's... Uh, I, I think it's really fascinating to be able to do that, and I think it can be really exciting to do that. So I hope to be able to share with you um, the uh, sort of the, uh, the the journey of of looking at some of the uh, looking at the world around us through the eyes of a scripturalist.
Maybe that's uh, really one way to put it there. You know, we'll look at the world around us through the eyes of a scripturalist. You know, put on, put on our biblical spectacles, if you will, and, and let's, uh, let's look at the news together. So that, that's what I hope to be able to bring to you. Uh, and that really wraps it up here for this week. Uh, again, thanks so much for listening. And I really, uh, really do, uh, do appreciate, uh, appreciate you as the audience. Uh, uh, please feel free to comment, uh, if you will, and, uh, and also share this podcast. And Lord willing, I will be back again with you next week. Thanks again so much. Take care.